Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Dilman Abdulkader, co-founder of American Friends of Kurdistan, join us to discuss the Kurds. What does the future hold? Mr. Abdulkader will speak for 10 to 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen. We will do our best to get to all questions, but we have many participants on this webinar, so I apologize in advance if we do not, do not get to yours today. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Mr. Dilman Abdulkader. Thank you, Stacy, and thank you for uh, Middle East Forum for hosting me. Uh, I'll be discussing the Kurds across the Kurdistan uh, territories, uh, not just the Kurdistan region in Iraq. We'll start out with the Kurds in Turkey, moving to the Kurds in Syria, give you an update on the Kurds in Iraq, and also the latest uh, developments in the Kurds in uh, Iran. Uh, to start out, and then I'll follow up with uh, policy recommendations uh, for the U.S. when approaching the Kurds across these territories. Uh, I'll start out with the Kurds in uh, Turkey. Um, as you, uh, many of you know, the Kurds uh, have a population of about 20 to 25 million uh, in uh, southeast Turkey, and in, uh, which, in which the Kurds call Northern Kurdistan. Um, since, so that's where the Kurds were promised the state of their own. Uh, however, under the Turkish state, and especially under Erdogan most recently, Kurds have lacked basic civil rights. Uh, Turkey continues to label all Kurds, not just the, uh, the PKK, the Kurdistan Workers Party, as, as links to terrorist organizations and as a terrorist, uh, as a separatist uh, movements, uh, even labeling the pro-Kurdish uh, People's Democratic Party, the HDP, uh, linking them with uh, the PKK. Um, uh, Turkey continues to uh, take away the basic civil rights of the Kurds in Southeast Turkey um, you know, it's, uh, it's, they have just recently made it uh, illegal to, uh, to uh, write your dissertation as a college student uh, in Diyarbakir and Dijli University, for example. Uh, so imagine a, a university in the Kurdish language department not being able to write your uh, thesis or dissertation in Kurdish, uh, even though it's a Kurdish language department. So it's these very basic uh, civil rights that are not even addressed inside Turkey uh, is the reason for the, uh, the gap and lack of communication between Turks and Kurds inside that country. Um, now, as many of you as well know that Turkey is a NATO partner. However, Turkey has abused this NATO membership to crack down on its own dissidents, um, especially the Kurds in the Southeast. Turkey has jailed uh, elected, democratically elected members of parliament um, the, especially the pro-Kurdish uh, HDP party um, uh, and has uh, removed their, uh, their, uh, their officials and have put them in prison. Uh, even its uh, co-chair, Salahuddin Demirtas. Turkey has also removed elected uh, mayors in the Southeast region of predominantly Kurdish regions um, and have appointed Turkish appointed uh, uh, officials in these uh, positions. Now, this is, uh, there is no democracy inside Turkey. Uh, this is very false uh, pretext to say that. Um, and, but Turkey knows that because it's a NATO partner, 
that uh, it can get away with literally everything. And as we just have recently uh, noticed that Turkey has even, uh, has even uh, transformed the uh, Hagia Sophia uh, Museum into a mosque, which the Kurdish delegation and the Kurdish political party, the HDP, were not invited uh, to in the opening ceremonies of the prayers as well. Policy recommendations for the U.S. is to uh, hold, uh, just to push Turkey uh, towards peace talks with the Kurdistan Workers Party. It should not uh, automatically link uh, every Kurd with uh, with uh, PKK and designate them as terrorists. Uh, the U.S. has a responsibility to play a mediator role between uh, these two sides. The United States should also hold accountable uh, Turkey for the basic human rights violations against the Kurds um, and the State Department's continuous deeply concerned uh, rhetoric is not a policy. This is actually just a reaction to Turkey's uh, passes that it continues to receive. And uh, of course, NATO. There's no mechanism within NATO to eject a partner. Uh, the United States should hold accountable uh, Turkey for its uh, human rights violations. In Syria, as you, uh, many of you as well know that the Syrian Democratic Forces have been American uh, allies uh, since 2015 in, in the fight against ISIS. Uh, the Syrian Democratic Forces is composed of Kurds, but also Arabs, um, Arabs, Christians, and indigenous Syrians of Northeast Syria. Uh, they have been the most successful in pushing out ISIS and eliminating the caliphate, but also they control uh, nearly 30% of Syrian territory um, in, in partnership with the Global Coalition in, uh, and the United States. Within this 30%, it holds about, holds about uh, 80 to 90% of Syria's oil resources. Um, and just a recent development, um, the United States has signed a deal um, with the Kurds to modernize the oil facilities inside Northeast Syria. And that, and, uh, that conversation occurred between, between uh, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham and the uh, Syrian Democratic Forces General uh, Muslim Kobani. Um, and the U.S. company that is dealing with the uh, modernization of these facilities is the Delta Crescent Energy um, LLC. Um, and the, the, the reason why this is significant is because uh, the United States should recognize the Syrian Democratic Council, the, the governing body of this region, as the legitimate uh, government in Northeast Syria. Because if we don't, uh, that means we'd have to go back to pre-2011 where Assad is in power. Um, and uh, that should be a automatic red line for the international community. Um, but the, the, the signing of the oil uh, deal and revitalizing these, uh, these grounds is very important because it's showing that the United States is understanding the realities uh, on the ground, that the U.S. is uh, moving away from, uh, from you know, going back to pre-2011 where the Northeast Syria has to be, and I think is the only and best option to be recognized as its own uh, uh, autonomous region within the Syrian territory, similar to the, what we did for the uh, Kurdistan region in Northern Iraq following the first Gulf War in 1991. Um, and you know, the, the, the United States has another responsibility, and this is also a policy recommendation that Turkey must leave Syria if we want Syria to be stable. Turkey should not be able to, again, use its NATO, uh, NATO membership to uh, attack and invade 
uh, our allies, the Kurds, and even the Arab indigenous population, the Christian population. Um, and uh, the United States should also take a look at assisting in Daesh prisoners, um, most significantly in Al Hol camp uh, in Northeast Syria along the Iraqi border. Um, so there have been uh, positive developments since the withdrawal in October uh, between the Kurds and the US, um, but the United States should continue to stay away from fully withdrawing the 600 troops that it has in Northeast Syria or, a, or our adversaries will fill in that gap. And that happens to be Russia uh, and Iran and even Turkey. With the Kurds in Iraq, um, Kurds in Iraq have the most rights due to their autonomous status. Uh, last month, I did publish a article for the Washington Examiner titled, In Iraq Shift Away from Baghdad and Move Towards Kurdistan. And the reason being, since 2003, uh, United States has invested over $2 trillion uh, in Baghdad. With that came very little positive returns, little to no little, actually, I should say, uh, for the Americans and American taxpayers. We've lost over 4,500 uh, US troops. My uh, policy recommendations and the developments there um, look, the, the Kurds have been the best and strongest partners, military partners on the ground. Um, uh, they've have sacrificed, they sacrificed over 2,000 lives, the Peshmerga forces, uh, in the fight against Daesh uh, since 2014. And the Kurds in Syria sacrificed over 10,000, I should add, with the Syrian Democratic Forces. Um, the uh, United States should start investing and creating, uh, create the grants to having a permanent position in, uh, in Northern Iraq or the Kurdistan regional government. Largely because we've, said, we've seen and witnessed multiple Iraqi governments come and go and all have failed. The reality and my argument in that article was that whether we like it or not, Iran is Iraq's neighbor. Um, and uh, you know they share a cultural and religious ties, and they also share economic ties, and they're neighbors at the end of the day. But if the United States wants to continue maximum pressure on Iran, the best place to do so is uh, in the Kurdistan region. And the Kurdistan region will not be a grounds for you know for invasions or of other uh, regions. Uh, but the United States should. Uh, established permanent military bases in the northern region where we see positive returns because the Kurds there are pro-American, pro-Western. Um, and, you know, to get away from the military aspect of that uh, relationship, the uh, United States should engage the Kurdistan regional government in institution building rather than uh, continued foreign military assistance. Um, the Kurds are the Kurdish civilians there on the ground are looking now for assistance in establishing institutions, holding uh, those uh, who are entangled in corruption and nepotism uh, accountable. Uh, the United States should not, for example, in the National Defense Authorization Act, continue to give the KRG, uh, which is split between the Kurdistan Democratic Party, the ruling party and the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan, which is uh, two major uh, families that, you know, that have armed forces behind them, um, a blank check to do as they please. Um, the Kurdistan regional government is at a stage now where it should be held accountable to uh, uh, nation build. It should be held accountable to have its institutions functioned and also 
um, you know, the, the nepotism aspect of it is, is a huge setback for the Kurds. For our national security perspective, uh, looking at it from a U.S. perspective, if we want the Kurds to succeed and have a better position, um, it's time for them to have their house in order. And I think the United States is the best actor and partner to do that. And moving to the Kurds in Iran, uh, and this is the least talked about as far as with the Kurds, you know, we don't hear much about that, but um, the Kurds do have 12 million Kurds in Iran. And I would describe their situation as, you know, they're waiting for their moment. Um, they do welcome the maximum pressure campaign. And, you know, I would even ar argue that, you know, the Kurds favor regime change. However, this does not mean regime change at the cost of replacing the current regime, for example, with the Shah. The Kurds of Iran uh, created the, the first uh, independent state, if you will, uh, in 1946 for 10 months, but what was later squashed by the Shah's uh, government. So the Kurds are in, again in a, uh, a, in, a bad, you know, in a bad situation where the regime is not good, but what may come next will also not be good for them as well. Um, and their goal, like the Kurds across the region, are, is autonomy. And I think that should be uh, taken seriously by the United States. This is a critical moment and also a policy recommendation that the United States should engage with the 12 million Kurds uh, in Iran. Because the regime today continues to, like Turkey, jail Kurds, um, uh, imprison them for their uh, political uh, positions. And also, you know, they call the, because of their se separatist uh, uh, the separatist positions that they take uh, in the words of the government. Um, major protests have continued to erupt in Northwest Iran where the Kurds reside. Um, for example, in uh, 2015 in, the, in Mahabad, a major Kurdish city, a IRGC member, a IRGC member raped a Kurdish woman. However, the response in 2015 was 84 Kurds were executed uh, by the regime. In 2018, Kurds accounted for uh, almost 30% of the executions inside, uh, inside Iran. And in 2019, with the recent major protests that we've all witnessed, uh, 1,500 Kurds were killed in response to the crackdown. Um, and why? Because the Kurds are the most organized uh, and armed group inside Iran, and they do have a very large population. Um, and, I, and the the Iranian regime sees them as the biggest threat. Um, and I don't want to continue, but you know, the policy recommendation uh, for uh, me to the US on the Kurds is to create a look at the situation, the realities of the Middle East, um, because you know, the Middle East is changing. Our allies such as Turkey uh, have shifted their policies and moving towards the East. Syria is no longer what it was. We have to uh, create an autonomous internationally recognized region for the uh, in Northeast Syria. Uh, the Kurds uh, in Iraq should be invested in. However, it should not be a blank check approach. Uh, we should hold them accountable and give them conditional aid rather than handing them 250, 300 million dollars uh, annually. Uh, and the Kurds Iran, this is the perfect moment to approach the Kurds Iran. Um, the Americans do have friends in Iran. Uh, the Kurds across the region, to face uh, discrimination from their uh, central governments, including Turkey, 
uh, even in Baghdad with the lack of budget sharing, uh, the, the, the undermining of the security and political and economic uh, institutions by the Iranian regime. Um, and uh, I don't want to continue, but I'll leave it at that and we can take uh, questions. All right, thank you so much. The first question we have then is, you spoke of the Kurds in many different countries, but what is the relationship with Israel? Great question. Um, so the Kurds and, the, uh, and Israels and Jews have a historical relationship. The Kurds, uh, today there are about estimated 250,000 Kurdish Jews that live in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, they left uh, Iraq actually uh, in 1950-51 where the Kurds in Iraq assisted them in leaving the country after the recognition uh, and the creation of the independent Israeli state in 1948. Uh, their, their relationship is mostly uh, covert, uh, largely because of the, you know, the taboo in the Middle East. Um, you know, the, whether we like it or not, the Kurds are connected to Iraq. Iraq doesn't have a formal relationship with uh, Israel. Um, however, you know, the, they do share, and, uh, they have no, been known to share military partnerships, intelligence sharing. Um, and, you know, for example, the, if you want to visit Kurdistan, uh, if you want to visit Israel from Kurdistan, you're able to directly from Kurdistan region, even though it's, it's within Iraq. So they do have a special relationship. Um, and, you know, this has been growing into other areas as well. Uh, other parts of Kurdistan, not just Iraqi Kurdistan, for example, and Kurds in Syria, um, I think uh, should, and uh, it's in the interest of Israel to engage the Kurds in Syria because of uh, the Assad regime's uh, continued power and presence there. Thank you. What is the Kurdish, na Kurdish national goal? Is it to have an independent state of its own across Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and Syria? Um, I, so this differs across Kurdistan. Uh, originally, of course, the, all the Kurds, I think, want a independent state of their own. This may change by political parties and ideologies across Kurdistan. For example, the PKK wants uh, rights uh, within the Turkish state where they used to want independence. That's why they're considered separatist. Um, but, you know, the Kurds in uh, Syria want autonomy within the Syrian uh, territories. The Kurds in Iraq do want independence, just like the Kurds in Iran. Um, but I think my opinion is that, you know, self-determination and a state of their own is the only solution uh, in protecting uh, their long-term uh, security. Um, and, you know, we witnessed that with the Israelis, with the Jews. We've witnessed that even with, for example, the Armenians, um, you know, because as long as the Kurds are considered minorities and as long as the Kurds are considered non-state actors, they will continue to be treated as so. They will be, continue to be label terrorists. Um, and, you know, self-determination, I think it allows you to enter the international community with the tools and capabilities to not only help your people develop, but allow you to uh, engage in uh, international diplomacy without, um, without asking for continued assistance from greater powers such as the U.S. Thank you. Can you please comment a little more on Trump's decision to pull out pull out of Syria, exposing Kurds to both Turkey and Assad. Uh, you mentioned that it has had some benefits, but as long as we don't pull out the rest of the troops. Right, I mean, uh, you know, something that uh, many Americans should understand is that the Kurds never asked uh, the United States to fight for them. Um, the Kurds were ready and they did sacrifice thousands of their lives. Uh, what the Kurdish ask was for the US to simply stay there 
leave your flag uh, flying along the Syrian-Turkish border because uh, if the United States stays there, Turkey will not attack another member uh, and another NATO member, which is the U.S. Um, unfortunately, the Kurds um, did know that the U.S. will withdraw. Um, they just did, know, did not know that it would be this soon, especially after there were agreements between the Syrian Democratic Forces and the Global Coalition and the United States to put down the defense systems along the Turkish border. Um, so the Kurds, that's where the Kurdish uh, sentiment of betrayal comes from. The Kurds said, hey, you asked us to put down our defense systems. We guaranteed that Turkey will not invade. Randomly, uh, unfortunately, the administration greenlighted the invasion uh, by Erdogan, which allowed for the continued occupation of regions that are historically known to be Kurdish and belong to even Armenians and uh, Armenian uh, dissidents and also uh, Arabs in that area. So um, I think the, it's a slow uh, path towards you know, fixing this partnership. The military-military partnership is still strong. However, there is a lack of policy uh, that continues even before the, uh, the withdrawal in October 2019 uh, between the U.S. and the Kurdish. So you know, that's why I recommend that the United States create a policy of recognizing the a Syrian Democratic Council, the governing body of Northeast Syria, like the KRG, um, but also, you know, ex, uh, you know, get away from the status quo policy of, you know, that we have to, we're not the police, of course we're not the police, but that we have to be there. Um, and, you know, the United States does have a responsibility, an economic and uh, military responsibility, whether we like it or not, as a global power to be involved and engage in these, and it doesn't have to be thousands of troops on the ground. You suggested many things that the U.S. should be doing to help and support the Kurds, but realistically, what can we expect the U.S. will do? Realistically, I think it's, and it's all based on different parts of Kurdistan. Um, you know, the U.S. has never, and it's difficult to approach the Kurdish issue with one policy towards all Kurds because all Kurds have different central governments. Um, you know, the, realistically, the Kurds, for the Kurds in Syria, uh, the United States should uh, continue its political uh, engagement um, instead of just solely a military engagement. Um, they have to build on that, translate the military successes to a political partnership, which will eventually, just, just as the, um, the oil deal, for example, by the United States to, these are great engagements that allows for the, the, the region to be recognized. Um, and in Turkey, uh, look, the United States has to hold Turkey accountable. This is, Turkey is literally getting away with murder um, under Erdogan, and Erdogan is not going anywhere anytime soon. He will stay here until 2023 in his position of power, and then we still don't know if he will continue his, uh, his uh, position. Um, and the Kurds in Iran, maximum pressure campaign is working. However, this also requires an engagement with the people on the ground. And these people, the Kurds, we do know they're pro-American. We do know they're pro-Western. We do know they're pro-Israeli. These are the kind of partners that we are uh, supposed to have and should have. And that's why we should engage these people. And the Kurds, and realistically, the Kurds in Iraq, we have done what we could with them. Um, and we continue to have a partnership with them. Uh, you know, just now is we're at the stage um, of where we can hold them accountable to, you know, we can have higher standards for the Kurds in Iraq 
for our national security and for their long-term interests as well. All right. Um, can you give us a little information on where we can find some more of your work regarding this issue? Yes, definitely. Um, so I just co-founded uh, American Friends of uh, Kurdistan. Uh, you can visit our website, AmericanFriendsOfKurdistan.org. Uh, we publish article series, uh, many uh, pieces, fact, fact sheets. Uh, we give information. We're, we're working on a uh, a ongoing short video series called Focus Kurdistan, which will explain all these issues, uh, you know, in short video series. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm also available on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Abdul Qadir, for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. For our viewers, please be on the lookout for our upcoming weekly webinar offerings email coming out this weekend. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.